Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Super Thursday morning, everybody. That's right. We're getting that much closer to the big game on Sunday. You got your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Johnny Mac here with us today. Won't be tomorrow. He'll be in transit. That means Kevin Durant's going to get to Phoenix before John McMullen is. Mm-hmm. I, I think everybody is. I think I, everybody's in Phoenix before me. I, well, you, you'll get there before I do. Um <laughs> Uh, did not see the Kevin Durant, the Phoenix thing coming, but that's the beauty of the world of sports. The other beauty of the world of sports, Johnny Mac, is yes, every once in a while for the Eagles, it's only been a five year wait, and their fan base, you get to play on the biggest of stages, and the Eagles and the Chiefs will do just that on Sunday. And it looks like Johnny Mac, both teams going to be relatively healthy. And I got to ask you about your bud, Nick Sirianni, because he went back against one of his cardinal rules yesterday. Yeah, how about that, man? How about that? He admitted that the good health that the Philadelphia Eagles have is due in part. Now, he he certainly went to great lengths to make sure that everyone who has a hand in on the way the Eagles handled themselves and information and decisions and work and everything else is a team effort. But he did admit there's a little luck involved when you're going to a game like this one, as healthy as the Philadelphia Eagles are. And the Eagles never, that's a four letter word luck. They don't yeah. like to use that word, that Johnny Mack. Yeah. I, and I don't know why. I'm glad Nick went down that route. I mean, telling the truth and common sense, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, <laughs> I, I talk about how many times I've said it on the show. I mean, these people who think you can legislate injuries and, and, and watch, you know, whether it's non-contact injuries, whether it's people getting hurt in the off season, you know, doing 
normal everyday life tasks, whether it's, you know, people's own, you know, lives. And, and now these are high level athletes, but it's common sense. Obviously you need a little luck when it comes to injuries and the Eagles have gotten a little bit of luck. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's part of winning a Super Bowl. Sometimes stars got to align and, and health is, is one of, one of the big issues. One of the impressive things about the 2017 team was how many significant injuries they were over to come, uh, able to overcome Jason Peters, you know, People forget how Lapulavati Baitai was the left tackle in the Super Bowl. Think about that, Jody. And they and they won the game. Um, Jordan Hicks was a big part of that team. Uh, was done. Was gone for the season. Um, Chris Maragos, their best special teams player, is currently suing the team. By the way, uh, was out. A uh, lot of injuries. Uh, n- most notably, the biggest injury of all: yeah. Carson Wentz and people. You know, the, the revisionist history. Now, Carson Wentz was really good that season. That wasn't the Carson Wentz you've seen that 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 turned and, and, and dropped off a cliff. He was really, really good that season, really important, and they were able to over- – so that was the most impressive part of that team. This team has, for the most part, stayed pretty healthy, and, yeah, it's a big, it's a big break. And I thought if there was any week that Nick wouldn't go there, it would be this week because a couple of things. He probably got wore down, Jody. Mike yeah, might be. You, you might yeah. be 100% right that he finally got worn down by those in the know and going, come on, Nick, common sense here. Uh, let, let's at least admit to some luck. Uh, this is annoyed to me, go fans, but I feel this way, so I need to uh, certainly go there again. And again, I'll put the qualifier that I think is necessary on it. Eagles got a little lucky in their last game. The catch by Devontae Smith that wasn't a catch. You saw it. I saw it. None of us saw it till after Fox got back from break. You at the game probably didn't see it until Fox put that video up that showed the ball hit the ground. They got lucky. They couldn't get the replay up in time. You correctly note, I correctly note that the coach could have taken a hedge position and called a timeout and maybe gotten it overturned. He chose not to shame on Shanahan for that, but they didn't make the catch. So that's a little luck when you're starting quarterback, albeit a relatively inexperienced quarterback, but a guy who was flat out crushing it. People forget Brock Purdy just because he's a rookie. He had a better quarterback rating going into that game than Jalen Hurts, or Patrick Mahomes, the guy who ended up with the best quarterback rating in the league. Uh, people just bypass that because he's a wet behind the ears, uh, the last pick of the draft type quarterback. When he goes out as early as he does, that compromises the other team's chances. There's a little luck in that, too. Guy gets injured. We talk about luck with injuries. Well, luck goes both ways, and that was bad luck on the 49ers point. Now, the idiot 49er fans and players will go, we would have won the game if not for. No, no. You don't know. You got beat 31 to 7. You didn't lose 17 16. You got beat 31 to 7. Chances are the Eagles are going to win the game anyway. But that turned into a blowout and a walk in the park for the Eagles because of a little bit of luck. John, guess what? There's luck involved. There's luck involved in life. There was luck involved when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017. You take your luck where you can get it. And come parade time, nobody's going to worry about whether you got lucky or not. 
No, that's true. Uh, and you're right with the 49ers. You know, there's degrees. I, I kind of look at it like we we both talked about that, Shannon. And like that, I blame the head coach for that. I really do with the 49ers. Uh, you know, yeah, the luck part of it is maybe it's not obvious. Um, you know, if it's obvious, you get the angle up on TV quickly and this coaching staff or who's ever in charge of that uh, support staff can let them know right away. So that part's a little bit of luck. But again, you can control your own destiny there by calling timeout, which he doesn't do. He, you know, he wasted timeouts throughout the entire game. So that magnifies. You're not using them anyway. You might as well use them there on a big play in the biggest game and uh, the biggest game on the NFC side, at least. So that part of it. And then, you know, Hassan Reddick, great pass rush, legal hit. You know, took a quarterback out of the game. They took John Johnson out of the game. Uh, legal hit, great pass rush. You know, that's part of being good as well. Um, the injury thing, and, and Nick brought up nutrition and all that and sports science and, and the sleep stuff that Chip Kelly brought into the organization. All of that is important. All of that helps, all of it. But again, non-contact ACL injury. Sports science ain't fixing that. If they had it, they'd fix it. They can't fix it. Um, there's so many injuries. Uh, you know, one of the bad luck. There's bad luck as well. Dallas Goddard right. goes Think both about ways. That. Yeah. Um, when he missed five games, you know, that was bad luck. But over the course of the season, compared to other teams, the Eagles have done a a, a really good job with it. And, you know, the most important part, and I brought this up on the show, Jason Kelsey uh, was talking to him last week before they left, um, and he said he would have flat out be retired by now if, if, if he had to work under the same system that Andy Reid had back when he came into the league. Now, you can't even do that because it's collectively bargained out now. But even Doug Peterson, he said, he'd probably be retired if things were as uh, uh, arduous as they were back then. So, and I, I also circle back to Chip Kelly because so much of Chip Kelly, what he brought in this league, I don't think he gets credit for because the entire league has shifted towards that, but he also didn't, he didn't have a, a dampening, you know, a, a, he, he didn't have a filter. He didn't realize like, you know, back at Oregon when he's coaching 18 to 20 year olds and he, and he ran them and he ran them and he ran them to try to get the advantage uh, when it came to conditioning. And he got to the pros and he had somebody like Jason Peters at the time. He was still a high-level player. And he's running him into the ground and in and, and practice, trying to get him ready for conditioning. Got to have some common sense as well. Nick Sirianni seems to have common sense. And he tries to – and we've been through it through all the season. You saw it. On, on the first injury report yesterday, you know, you, when they list Lane Johnson groin slash rest, when they list Cam Jurgen hip slash rest, everybody slash rest, you're going to see the big number today on the Thursday practice, all the resting players. You, you, you've had it throughout the entire season. He understands older players, players with significant injury histories in their past, like Josh Sweat. They need, they need to be treated a little bit differently than the kid coming in from college that's 100% that hasn't had an injury issue in his entire life, and he can go a million miles an hour for 18, 20 weeks 
he he's he's that's where he deserves credit is is managing his team he deserves a ton of credit and and i think we've done justice to this all year and it deserves repeating again as well because i think howie roseman kind of becomes the forgotten man this week he's there he's he's being asked to do interviews and the like but howie's gonna have no real effect on this game on sunday uh, surely he'll be included in the conversation. He might even be the driving force as to who's going to punt for the Eagles, which, again, now we're back to the vintage Sirianni. Can't let anybody know. Competitive advantage. Who's going to punt? Does it really make a you-know-what difference who's going to punt for the Eagles on Sunday between the two punters they have? I don't think so, but they're going to keep that under wraps till <laughs> Saturday at noon, the very last minute they can report whether they're going to activate uh, Aaron Sipas or not. Uh, come on. Um, but I think Howie should stay on top of mind and conscious with this uh, Eagle fan base because he did such a great job this year. And you and I have both said on multiple occasions, this is an organizational decision. It wasn't like Nick Sirianni got hired and came in here and said, listen, I know how to handle players. I have this philosophy of how to keep players healthy and we'll get to an end of the season and we'll have minimal amount of guys. No, this was the team telling Sirianni, here's how we think it should be handled going forward. And you're okay with that new head coach who's never coached anywhere in your life before, right? He goes, oh, yeah, 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 whatever you guys say, I'll uh, – I'll sign off on it. I'll be the front man. I'll explain it for you. And this is an organizational decision. Sirianni's the front guy who's talking about it because he's the coach this year, but it's not like he came in here and dictated terms on how the Eagles would handle themselves. You, you and yeah, certainly more so you, because you're there every day. You've said you think Nick would practice a whole hell of a lot more if he had the opportunity to do so, but he just doesn't because A, of the collective bargaining agreement, and B, because the Eagles think the better way to do it is less is more. Yeah. And I think, and I agree with the Eagles. I, at both of those things you just stated, um, I do think I've yet to, I say it all the time, talked about it more in training camp for longtime listeners. Um, I've yet to meet the football coach that doesn't want to practice. And Nick's not that guy. Nick's uh, tremendously competitive. Um and then the part you mentioned, the CBA aspect, I think the Eagles came to this conclusion. I think they're right. Well, if you can't prepare like you want to, do the best you can with the time allotted, but make sure health becomes it, – it's a more difficult decision if you can prepare like the old days and 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 you could be ready and you can do two-a-days, but you can't. So if you can't, if it's legislated out of the game, what becomes more important? Um, and I think what becomes more important is having your best players as healthy as possible. And I think the bigger part is the game, you know, the aesthetics of the game, the, 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 the complicated nature of the game. I think that gets scaled back. But nobody cares. The fans don't care. The television ratings are where they are. I don't think the game is as, as aesthetically pleasing as it once was because of all this. But they don't care. They don't turn it off. So the Eagles have made the right decision. And here's why I do want to give the Eagles more credit again. This is as much Sirianni as it is the organization. Because you've got less time. Because you're going to do significantly less on the field, working on things, quote-unquote, practicing, 
all that film time, all that time off the field where you can still be in communications, Nick's favorite word, connecting, they got a real good coaching staff. Sirianni certainly and the two coordinators, but even the positional coaches, we all know how revered and rightfully so Stoutland is, but all their other position coaches, these players sing the praises of their coaching staff. They work hard with and for their coaches. If you're going to be doing less, Johnny Mac, you need to get up to speed somehow. And that's the work between the players and their coaches. And I think the Eagles have one of the best relationships, uh, player and entire coaching staff, as there is in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I always use Bill Jackson as the comp in, in the NBA. And, and I think coaching is far more important than in the NFL than the NBA. Always has been, always will be. But um, managing players is a big part of it. And managing personalities, getting them – all on the same page, fighting for the same thing. That kind of stuff is very much like the quarterback position. People don't give credit to the intangibles of Jalen Hurts a lot of the times. It's important. Just because you can't put a number on it doesn't mean it isn't important. I think that gets lost in the sauce sometimes when people try to um, gauge things. And you've heard a lot of criticism. Anybody can coach the Eagles. Anybody can coach the Eagles. They said the same thing about the quarterback. Anybody can coach, can play the, which doesn't make sense, by the way. Which is it? You know, um, the, the the team's really talented, or anybody uh, can can. So anybody can run it, but they didn't play anybody. That was my favorite criticism. Like the same people are saying completely different things with the coaching staff. It's the same thing. Oh, anybody could coach this team. Anybody can coach this team, but they didn't beat anybody. Well, which one is it? Um, you know, Nick Sirianni and this coaching staff is very, uh, uh, has had a very good season. They've done a tremendous job that, that look at the career, look at the number of players that have had career years, Jody. I mean, there's one thing to say, Hassan Reddick's a, a, a great player after watching him get 19 and a half sacks. You know, Howie Roseman, somebody asked Howie Roseman before he left, what what is Hassan Reddick and A.J. Brown meant to this team? And he said, you know, my kids could tell you what they meant to this team. It's It's blatantly obvious how good they are. But they weren't this good before. Hassan Reddick was good his final year in Arizona. He was good his only year in Carolina. He wasn't this good. Wasn't great. And he's no. great this year. Yeah. A.J. Brown was really good in Tennessee. Wasn't this good. Um, and, and it goes throughout the, the, the roster. I mean, James Bradbury, at his height in New York, he was really good. He wasn't this good. T.J. Edwards was an undrafted kid that everybody, you know, he runs a 4.87. He can't do this. He can't do that. He can't do this. Well, he's doing it. Uh, Marcus Epps picked up on the waiver wire. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, another guy. He was at he was a pretty good slot corner in New Orleans. He wasn't the biggest playmaker in the NFL in New Orleans. I mean, at some point, you got to give the staff some credit. I actually think Brad Berry was better in Carolina than he was in New York. But uh, e- either stop. He didn't play to the level that he's played this year as one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. And yes, they could have elevated themselves. It could be a perfect fit. 
But if you don't give the coaching staff the Philadelphia Eagles credit for raising the game of some of these guys, then you're just doing an injustice to the Eagles coaching staff. Staff, players, it's all got to come together on Sunday if the Eagles are going to get a win. We'll continue to uh, prep you for it, break it down for you here on Birds 365 until the big game on Sunday, which Johnny Mac is heading out to uh, for to later uh, tomorrow. Uh, but we've got him with us today, and he'll be here while we talk to our two guests. We've got two good ones for you today. Uh, a little bit later on, we'll talk to Hunter Brody from The Best Show Ever. But coming up next, we've got one of our own. Uh, you see him on the Jacob Media Eagles pregame show. He does his own show, The Farzee Show, on YouTube on a day-in, day-out basis. We're getting Mark Farzetta up next to join us here on Birds 365. the greatest fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, owner appreciation event. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
Countdown is on only three days until Super Sunday. We got a Super Thursday here on Birds 365, McMullen, McDonald, and our bud, Mark Farzetti. You see him on Sundays here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, hosting the pregame show. You can catch him every day on the Farzy Show on YouTube. Good enough to jump in with us for a couple minutes here today. Farzy, are you ready for some Super Sunday football action? I am waiting with great anticipation, as we all are. And this has been, for me, like the week between Christmas and New Year's, where I have no idea what day it is. I am just focused on one thing, yeah. and that is Sunday. Um, I'm with you. I never know what day it is. Far as <laughs> and you have to never... travel soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. I better make sure what day it is. It is Thursday, right? I think. Today, yes. Good yes. job, John. Yes. All right. So solid. And Mark had to think about it too. See, <laughs> I did. Uh, that, that, now, this week is tough though because yeah, you know, I think even Nick Sirianni kind of felt uh, we were talking about. He finally admitted when it comes to injuries, luck plays a part in that. Mark, he finally admitted that. Um, you think he's getting worn down with all the Super Bowl just <laughs> every day? The, the silliness, <laughs> the constant, the same questions. I was the first one, Mark, on on Tuesday. So Tuesday after the NFC Championship game, I asked him about the first meeting with Andy Reid when Andy Reid came into Kansas City and he was leaving because he was part of that 2-14 and 14 coaching staff. He knew it. I asked him that on Tuesday. He's gotten asked it every stinking day since. He's got to be driving him crazy. He's probably thinking that damn John McMullen had to start this trend. <laughs> oh, he probably. thinks that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but I think it was the guy from Germany that eventually broke him down. And I'm not talking about the snowballs question from a couple of weeks ago. I'm talking about the question that was asked, I believe it was yesterday's press conference. And it was around the same type of thing. And the guy from Mexico City that asked him something similarly as well about, you know, Andy Reid fired you. Are you mad? Um, it was that kind of uh, temperament to the question, I guess. Uh, yeah. But no, I think he is getting worn down. I think it is the, it's the great distraction. And I, I, I always say this, but I really take away a lot from what Doug Peterson said before kickoff during the, the Super Bowl 52, where Bill Belichick went out, met him at half field during warmups or at midfield and said to him, you know, how'd your week go? And, and Doug's response I thought was profound, although I don't think it was intentional. He just said, there's a game in here somewhere, right? Like I'll get through the. <laughs> I'll get through the media coverage. I'll get through media night. I'll get through opening night. I'll get through all the, the stuff I got to do. But I just want to get back to my grease board. You know what I mean? I want to get back to football. I want to get back to what brought us here. And I think Nick Sirianni is finding it to be very similar to what Doug Peterson found it to be, which you got to get through the dog and pony show. You got to get through the circus. And when you're able to do that, like they were yesterday, actually get on the practice field, actually run around a little bit, you start to feel like you're back in your natural habitat. So to your point of whether or not Doug is fine, or excuse me, Nick is finding himself through the other side of it now. He just very well may be. I think there could be a question that throws him off from the Dusseldorf reporter today. You never know. <laughs> he got asked about his boxer shorts yesterday. Yeah, that's uh. the silliness that you have to put up with during Super Bowl weekend. Oh, by the way, for one last time, did Nick Sirianni actually think he was going to be retained being part of a 2-14 and 14 coaching team? That's the one thing that nobody touches on. He was fired by Andy Reid. Well, maybe because the team sucked and yeah. they brought in Andy Reid no, to he change knows things. It. He knows. He knew it. I yeah. mean, not to mention Andy had David Culley at the time, who was his longtime receivers coach. And, oh, by the way, his assistant head coach 
and obviously everybody knows David now because he became the head coach in, in Houston for a very short period. But Nick knew. Nick wasn't upset at all. Right. But it becomes a story. Here's, here's one for the reporter, Mr. McMullen. I don't know the answer. I'm it's probably an unfair question for you. Did Andy retain any coaches from that staff? Or I were they not, were I, they let I, go on Moss? I I would just suggest two and fourteen should be. We'll keep none of these guys. We'll move to an entire new coaching staff and a new culture. So if Nick was one of every other coach who got fired from that staff, it's only a big deal because they have to be coaching against. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I, there might have been a lower level guy, a quality control guy, but certainly no one of significance. Uh, Andy. You know, Andy was entrenched. I mean, right. his offensive coordinator, I know off the top of my hat, was Doug Peterson. Uh, his quarterback's coach would have been uh, Matt Nagy. You know, so, you know, he brought in his guys, as everybody does. Right. Uh, uh, I remember he brought Brad Childress back that year. So, you know, there's a bunch of... But how dare, he, how dare he fire Nick Sirianni the way the yeah. questions have gotten this yeah. week, which is ludicrous. All right, other ludicrous Apparently questions. he loves, uh, just, to answer, just to answer your question, real quick, Emmett Thomas, the defensive backs coach, stayed on. So, I mean, why why not Nick Sirianni? Why does Andy Reid oh, hate Nick yeah. Sirianni? I think that's the question. Did, <laughs> but had Emmett Thomas coached under Andy Reid previously? In another? Uh, um, no. He had been an Eagle here. coach before, but yeah, that was before Andy here. got here. Yeah, he was uh, he was here with Ray, I think Ray Rhodes. So right before uh, Andy, but Emmett, you know, and that's Emmett was really entrenched by that point. Like he was a really well regarded head coach. Emmett Thomas, by the way, <laughs> we're going down a wormhole. <laughs> but that's that's JG's guy, man. He loves Emmett Thomas. Really? That yeah, that. Uh, that's one of his biggest mentors, but yeah. So I guess if you want to go that route, you can say Andy Reed uh, didn't like Nick Sirianni because he kept yep. Evan Thomas. See that? <laughs> what a jerk. Well what done. Jerk, well fellas. done. Mark. Uh, Andy Reed, well done. Hey, his boxers must've been too tight that day. What, what was wrong with Andy <laughs> Reed that day that he didn't keep him? All right, Fargy, let's move it over to the quarterback. Yes. Jalen Hurts continues to get questioned in some corners. Some people are giving him his props, and I'm happy for that. But others are still questioning him, that idiot Chris Sims. Um, it all seems to flow right off him. That, that This is something we should know full well in Philadelphia from the time he got here. That this kid has an unbelievable presence to him. That he does not wilt under pressure. He does not get bothered by foolish questions. He doesn't let anything that anybody says affect him in any way, shape, or form. Uh, should should we not be surprised, more not surprised than anybody else on the planet? Because we've had uh, two-plus years, at least. Uh, I don't think anybody knew too much about him when you're sitting by Carson Wentz. But from the time he became the starting quarterback of the Eagles, this kid hasn't changed at all, has he? No. And it's the most, I mean, of all the impressive things that Jalen Hurts does as a quarterback, the most impressive thing is his demeanor. And I know the phrase gets thrown out there, you know, 24, but wise beyond his years. And Jordan Mailata just talked about it yesterday about how, George, how uh, Jalen Hurts is a guy that you would assume is 40 years old with how mature he is in the way that he thinks. And uh, my halftime co-host and I, Devin Caney, have been talking about this a lot since last year, really. And, John, maybe we talked about it with you as well. I mean, in a day and age where we talk about mental health and mental toughness, 
I think we do need to acknowledge and praise the people that seem like they're on mental steroids. And Jalen Hurts is certainly one of those guys. You go back to the Deshaun Watson conversation, Russell Wilson conversation, and the blips on the radar that were the Aaron Rodgers conversation, and the idea of possibly drafting a quarterback with one of your three first-round picks going into this last draft. Jalen Hurts throughout the entire process literally saying, I'm above it all. I remember at training camp last year, I'm above it all. And not only has he actually acted that out and proven that with his actions, his play, and his improvement, you have continued to see it through this MVP caliber season that we just witnessed. So that's the most impressive thing. Without that mentality, without that mindset, without obviously his work ethic, it is you're not looking at the same quarterback. You're looking at a guy who is yeah. driven by all the outside yeah. forces, but then at the same time doesn't give them credit, almost looks at them and just says, well, you should know better because I'm going to keep working and I'm going to keep working until I'm the best. And we've seen that play out so far this year. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting, but you're right, Mark. I mean, I call him an old soul all the time, even his musical taste. He's like, yeah. He's Anita like Baker. Yeah. Um, you know, but there are hurdles uh, coming. He's, he's a superstar now. Like he's a pitch man. Um, he's got all these marketing deals already. And it's only getting better and better if he wins the Super Bowl from that perspective. Um, the money's coming. Joe Banner put the number $47 million out there uh, when Oof. the extension comes. Um, so that part of it is coming. I look at Aaron, Aaron Rodgers weekly on the Pat McAbee show. The guys, I nobody, nobody loves Aaron Rodgers. Jody will tell you this as a player more than me. But he's going off the rails, man. He's got some, he's got some things going on. When you're talking Piping about hot takes, health. yeah. Um, can Jalen Hurts stay grounded through all of this? Is it even possible when you look at superstars in other port, uh, sports to stay grounded in that type of circumstance? Um, I think it's difficult for the average bear. I don't think Jalen Hurts is the average bear. There, There is something about this guy and his mental toughness, his mental fortitude that keeps his eye on the prize. Now, that's what he has given off now at 24 years old. What he'll give off as a guy potentially making 45 to $50 million a year, potentially signing a, a, a you know ginormous contract, we'll see. But something about the, the way this guy thinks, the way they, this guy approaches life, whether it's the all-female – managerial staff that he has, whether it's as close to his grandmother as he is, whatever it is, this guy, whether it's the tribute to his father that he did yesterday. I don't know yeah. if you guys saw that, but that yeah. was beautiful. This yeah. guy has a great head on his shoulders. And I don't think that this guy strays far from that path throughout his career, which is another reason why I wanted to stay here for a very long time. I'll tell you why I have confidence that he can stay as grounded as he is. Johnny Mac, look at a guy across the field. Mahomes is a couple of years ahead of him in this progress. And other than letting Andy Reid draw mustaches on his face for commercials, I think he stays pretty much in the football moment. So you got to give him credit. So it's certainly doable. Just check out uh, Patrick Mahomes. All right, Farzee, I'm having mixed emotions about this game in this respect. I think the Eagles want to run the football. I think the Eagles need to run the football. I think the, it would be advantageous if the Eagles can run the football and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. But what if the Eagles win the coin flip 
and they defer and Mahomes goes down the field and scores a touchdown and then they're playing either even or catch up all day long. Will they be tempted to just try and go mano a mano with Patrick Mahomes in a passing game, which I think Hurts can win. But mm-hmm. I don't think that was, would be the best way for the Eagles to go about winning in this game. Can they win a 38-35 uh, uh, game going up and down the field, Mahomes against Hurst? Uh, I, I think they can. I'm with you. I think they can win that game. But I think if the Chiefs do win the toss, do take the ball first, or if the Eagles defer, whatever it might be, and I do think the Eagles would still defer, the Eagles should go into this game not overconfident by any means, but they, they have the better team. I think all around they have the better team, and I have no doubt in my mind about that. But if the Chiefs get the ball, score first, the Eagles have to still play within themselves. As the better team, you should, t- you should still take the best version of yourself, especially against this Chiefs team, and throw it in their face. And I believe this team is best when they are using the pass, when they're building it off the run game. Everything starts with the RPO in this offense. The Chiefs have been very susceptible to that RPO, and nobody runs that quite like Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, and Kenny Gainwell behind this offensive line. The number one strategy, I think, for the Eagles is going to do is going to be what a lot of teams have tried to do against them, which is keep their uh, high-scoring offense off the field, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. I think you're going to see a lot of plays run by this Eagles offense. I think you're going to see a lot of long, sustained drives. I think you're going to see a lot of Jalen Hurts quarterback sneaks for the first down on third and short, fourth and short situations. Whatever keeps Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey off the football field is going to benefit the Philadelphia Eagles. So I don't think they get away from the run. I think they realize that that is going to be their bread and butter when going against the Chiefs in this matchup. Um, It is a week for the old adage paralysis by over analysis, Mark. Uh, But uh, I I found a couple numbers this week that I did not know, um, and they're very interesting, and I think – could help the Eagles win this football game. One of them is you kind of mentioned on the fourth downs, third and fourth downs, uh, more fourth downs. The Eagles are very aggressive, typically. Um, the The Chiefs are not. Uh, it's almost the old school versus new school trope, but it's true. Um, if, if you look at the advanced numbers, when you have a 1% bump in win probability. So Alec Halaby's getting involved, you know, the old days of, of, of our buddy, Ryan Paganelli, that Paganetti, that's their jobs. All right. And, and Doug Peterson, we got a 2% chance to win. If we go for it here and we get it. And that's a bump 21 of 27 times. The Eagles go for it. Andy Reid, similar circumstances, seven of 26. I'd rather be the team on the biggest stage that's trying to win the game, not trying not to lose it, if that makes sense. Do you think oh, yeah. the Eagles have an advantage there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, you even go back to the, uh, the, the, the Super Bowl against the Patriots there in 2017. Uh, how many times uh, Doug Peterson went for it on fourth down? How many times they went for it on situations like that, especially in that fourth quarter where I want to say it was a – like a three-yard completion of Nelson Aguilar for a first down or something late in that game, Nick, I think, is going to triple that against the Chiefs. They, 
they realize that they can get away with it. I think Nick set the tone in the NFC Championship game when they were deep in their own territory yeah, and went yeah. for it on the fourth yeah. and three, I want to say it was. So they're going to continue to ride the horse that brung them. In this case, the horse is their own mentality, strategy, and philosophy. And I think that's the way Nick Sirianni is going to approach this game. I don't think a lot's going to change. And the thing that jumps out to me above it all, especially in those short situations, Jason Kelsey multiple times this season while yeah, mic'd just, up has yeah. – you know what's coming. Good luck to you. First down Eagles. And especially with this defensive line, the Eagles obviously have the edge there, offensive line versus defensive line here in this scenario. So when I look at it like that, I just I see the Eagles sustaining drives depending on those third and short, fourth and short situations for Jalen Hurts to do every bit of squatting 600 pounds and gaining first downs in those scenarios. And as we all know, and the game I always go back to for that analogy is the first year of Chip Kelly, not to sh- send shivers down people's spines, but when they lost <laughs> I mentioned the Chip, it's a big Chip day. I mentioned they, it twice today. Oh, did you really? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. everyone. I didn't mean to double down on Chip Kelly references. Well, but Both um, do you need to apologize, yes. Miss Goosey, Miss Goosey. But when it comes to that game against the New Orleans Saints in South Philly, I remember Drew Brees, QB sneaking time and time again, back-breaking, bone-crushing uh, first-down conversions, fourth-down conversions, multiple times throughout that game. Jalen Hurts does that at will with this offensive line. And that's going to be another huge advantage, I think, for the Eagles in that case. Yeah. Um, I'm going to defend Big Red here a little bit in the uh, Chiefs don't go for it department. Uh, we had Farzine Vesugian on from Arrowhead Attack the other day, and he noted they don't go for it on fourth down because they don't want to sneak uh, Patrick Mahomes. He is got the Blake only Bell. guy I- – only guy I've ever heard of who got hurt on a quarterback sneak. Blew out his uh, MCL a couple of years ago. And Andy's been running scared of that ever since. And if you got, <laughs> if you got the ball, Patrick Mahomes has got it in his hands. You're not putting him at risk. I they give got Doug the more credit than I give Sirianni because yeah. Doug didn't have Jalen Hurts. He's a guarantee. He's a, he's a <laughs> machine on the fourth and one. So it's easy enough to pull the trigger. Oh, I got the bullet. I'm going to shoot it. He's that good. Uh, if you're looking at the uh, three Eagle coaches, the guy who should get the most credit for is Peterson because he used to try it with uh, Wentz and, and with Foles, who weren't the guarantee that uh, Jalen Hurts is. All right, I need a guarantee for you. Are the Eagles going to take care of the football? Speaking of numbers, I threw this out with John uh, the other day. Our buddy Boop Stats gave me this one. 112 teams have played in the Super Bowl, Mark Farzetta. How many of them have gone through the playoffs without a turnover. Whatever their playoff run is, had to get to the Super Bowl, then play in the Super Bowl, finish the Super Bowl. How many of the 112 have had zero turnovers in their playoff run? Through the playoffs of those teams, I'm going to say, Jody Mack, 10. 10. Good, no good guess. I really? Yesterday, 10. Good I'm going to go 9. Guess what? nine. Both of you were wrong by 10. The number zero. No ah. team has ever gone through the playoffs and That's played in the Super Bowl and finished the Super Bowl with no turnovers. The Eagles, this playoff run, have had no turnovers. So if they don't turn it over in the Super Bowl, they'll be the first one in history to never wow. have a turnover in the Super Bowl run. If the Eagles wow. don't turn the football over, they're going to win the game. Mark Farzetta, yeah. are you ready to guarantee well, the Eagles that... won't have a turnover? <laughs> Mark, 
Mark, before before you answer this question, I just want to add to what Jody said. And you and I are brilliant, brilliant people. We both had the same number. We're both woefully wrong, but we both had the same number. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I want to throw this in. And again, paralysis by overanalysis. So on top of what Jody said, the Eagles have not turned the football over in this entire season. 19 games went in 12 personnel have never turned the football over 12 personnel. What that tells me, I'm going to see Jack Stoll on the field, not Quez Watkins. Mm. All right, what was now. the dew point? What was the dew point when they were running those plays? <laughs> well, can you give me more details. Yes. But, but turnovers to your point. I wanted to yes. add that to it because that's the way the Eagles lose this game, right? Mm. Oh, yes. I mean, I think that's the way – I mean – I think it's obvious. I think any team loses when they don't win the turnover battle, especially in, on the stage that is the Super Bowl. But I think the Eagles have done for the vast majority of this season a phenomenal job of protecting that football. Um, you know, trends are trends for a reason, and people go by them, letter of the law. And Jody, you bringing up that number. That's the first scary thing I've heard going into this Super Bowl is that it's like, it's almost like they're due. And I also find this interesting. And I know we alluded to the boxers question earlier with uh, the, the gentleman from uh, the British Broadcasting Company asking Nick Sirianni about changing his boxers. But Nick Sirianni, I love the idea, shot down any idea of superstition. And he said that routine is not superstition. I do the same things because that's our routine. I don't do them because I think they have some overall great uh, uh, supreme being effect on the game itself. You protect the football, good things happen. That's not a superstition, that's a routine. And I think the Eagles, for the most part this season, has made that, have made that part of their routine. Uh, the fact that nobody has done it, it scares me just a little bit there. Uh, but I think the Eagles will continue their trend in this game as well. Oh, by the way, uh, to whoever it was who streamed in, Jody, you jinxed us now. Let me remind you that the Eagles could turn the ball over on Sunday. But if Kansas City turns it over three times, he's going to win. I think you'll get past that pretty easily, even if they don't set the record, become yeah. the first team in history. As long as they're plus in the plus minus, I think they'll be okay against the Chiefs on Sunday. And to Mark's point, uh, we cannot jinx the Eagles, so settle down. None yeah. of us have control I'm with it. what the Eagles do. Um, but on the field uh, – Offensive, defensive line. We we talk about this from the coaching perspective. And I, I believe, Mark, that the Eagles' philosophy dates all the way back to Andy Reid. So he has an incredible footprint on this game. We talked about it a little bit on fourth downs. All the experience, another number, 28-3, and three, um, coming off a bye week. That tells me one thing. The Chiefs are going to be prepared. This is not going to be 38 to 7. This is not going to be 31 to 7. This is going to be a football game. Did the did the Chiefs have the advantage on the coaching staff or is it about the new age? Is it about is it time to turn the page on the old school? Are we at the new school? New quarterback dual threat can't win a a, a Super Bowl. Well, those people are running scared, Mark, cuz mm -hmm. we're 60 minutes away. From that happening, now they'll they'll move the goalposts and say, "Well, he improved as a passer." But nonetheless, is this an old school versus new school type of turning the page? 
Yeah, and I actually liken it to Doug Peterson versus Bill Belichick. And I've I've heard from uh, KC people. I've done a couple of hits out there, a couple of radio hits out there. You know, this is a very experienced staff. And what I say is, yeah, I mean, Nick Foles didn't have the experience of Tom Brady, and that worked out for the Eagles, didn't it? And you want to talk about a dual threat? Yeah, you know, Nick Foles wasn't, you know, running or rushing and gaining yards that way, but he was too busy catching touchdown passes. So that's a dual threat if I ever heard of one. But as far as as far as the experience thing goes, old school versus new school, I'm a big believer in something Charlie Manuel said years ago. It's not old school, it's good school. And both these coaches come from a good school. One has a hell of a lot more experience. One's uh, been to grad school several times while the other's just getting his bachelor's degree maybe. But uh, when you look at a guy like Andy Reid, the experience is obviously there. You look at a guy like Steve Spagnuolo, the experience is obviously there. Eric Bieniemy experience is there. We all know that. But I think what it comes down to is who's going to have the overall better team. You could talk about being well coached, and that's why I don't think this game is going to be a blowout. I, I've admitted that. I've acknowledged that. I don't know if you guys agree or not. Going into this game, you look at the paper, the Eagles are the better team. That should ultimately decide who's going to win this game. I think the experience and the coaching factor on the Chiefs side of the football and the fact that they got an MVP there almost two times over now with Patrick Mahomes and our, the experience also there being a, a Super Bowl MVP, you have a tip of the cap to the Chiefs in that regard, which is why I think it stays close. But ultimately, the Eagles win this game. I, Farzee, know that uh, you were on the air or, uh, for all a part of Andy Reid's tenure here in Philadelphia, so you got a good grasp of most Eagle fans do what Big Red is all about and what he's done during his career coaching-wise on any given Sunday. We talked about this last week with the Eagles with uh, Lane Johnson against Nick Bosa. The Eagles' present coaching staff with their two phenomenal tackles go, yeah, take your guy. They, they don't chip with backs. They don't add a tight end specifically to a side because the matchup might be tough against a defender. They have so much confidence in their two tackles. They go, yeah, you take care of him. Mano a mano, one-on-one. And it makes it so much easier for the rest of the offense. Andy Reid has been similar in his coaching over the years. But Andy Reid's also pretty smart. He's got to look and go, you know, Hassan Reddick could wreck this game the same way he wrecked the game last week and took uh, the 49er quarterback out. I think Andy will be smart enough to deal with it and react to it. Do you? Do you think they just put their only okay right tackle on an island and go, yeah, you got to keep him from getting to Patrick Mahomes? Or do you think they react? And if that's the case, can the Eagles take advantage of it other places along the line? I mean, here's the other thing I'm hearing from Kansas City a lot is, you know, Eagles were number one in uh, sacks. Well, the Chiefs were number two. Yeah, number two by a mile, all right, <laughs> 70 to 55 throughout the season. Yeah. So, like, literally you have the elite, and then you have, like, hey, good season, Chiefs. It was adorable. So the versatility of this Eagles defensive line might be one of the biggest gaps in terms of unit-by-unit unit comparison, which is something to be said when you're facing Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. The quarterback position is pretty close in this game. But when you talk about defensive line, the versatility of, of this defensive line, whether you have uh, Andrew Wiley going up against Hassan Reddick and not getting help, if you don't help him, Hassan Reddick's going to eat in this game. And you're going to see Patrick Mahomes trying to pull out those circus throws, which, yes, he can do. But you're also going to see Patrick Mahomes get hit a lot in this game. And if you got a high ankle sprain, you're going to need every ounce of whatever percentage of health you have in this game to escape Hassan Reddick. Now, if you do decide to help him out, which I do think Andy Reid does, guess what? Now you have another matchup on the other side. Josh Sweat, an 11-sack guy going up 
in this game against Orlando Brown, who's a hell of a left tackle. Don't get me wrong. But then you also have guys in the middle that can eat in this game, whether it's Fletcher Cox or Javon Hargrave. Oh, another double-digit sack guy. Brandon Graham coming in on the rotation. I mean, regardless of what you do to help out, uh, to help stop the effort of Hassan Reddick, you got other guys that can get after the quarterback as well. And you're doing all this mind-blowingly without being aggressive, without sending blitzes. And even if you do send a blitz, Patrick Mahomes was what? Posted a 140 passer rating against the blitz this year? So he does okay in that regard. The point of this is going to be that, yes, they are going to stop Hassan Reddick. They're going to try to stop Hassan Reddick. They're going to try to double-team him. They're going to try to set the edge. But it's going to be difficult when you have other guys that can get in that backfield and get after Patrick Mahomes or also get off the running game, which I'm sure the Chiefs are also going to try to establish in this game. All right. At Mark Barzetta on Twitter. Follow Mark there. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because you got too many shows to do here on Jacob Media. You got you got (laughs) the Farsi show. You got to do the the pregame show. Um, You got the road to Glendale with Mike Missinelli. So I'm not going to go that route with you. (laughs) But here's something Jody and I talk and I'll admit we talk way too much about this stuff. But I think the coin toss is going to be important in this game because both coaches are going to defer. So whoever loses the coin toss, I think is going to have a tremendous advantage to be able to put their stamp on this game very, very early. Am I overstating that? No, no. You'd be rooting for the Eagles to lose the coin toss. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's funny. I swear uh, this morning I woke up and I was thinking about the coin toss. I'd gone through some matchups and all that stuff. But I was thinking about the coin toss, and I, right in that moment, maybe about five minutes of thinking about it and the deferring and the momentum and the halftime whole thing, and I went, I think this is the most I've ever thought of a coin toss. I think it's the most I've ever thought of one. So, no, I don't think you're overthinking it at all. Um, it matters greatly in this matchup because I think uh, long sustained drives, keeping the offense off the field is going to matter greatly when it comes to this matchup. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, that explosive offense, that is going to be a factor. Patrick Mahomes trying to maybe change their game a little bit and not having long sustained drive, maybe uh, or maybe trying to do that more than just the explosive play because both teams are going to try to do a similar thing, which is keep both these quarterbacks off the field. So when it comes to the coin toss and deferring, oh, I, 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 I've never looked at a coin toss the way I have for this Super Bowl because of both these quarterbacks. Well, and because people actually bet on the coin toss this week. Uh, most yeah, weeks that's I, have true. To, I get McMullen. To, I said, text me if uh, Sirianni defers. And I get a text <laughs> about 102 every week. It says, yeah, he did. Uh, and nobody bets on it. And we have a weird interest in it. Oh, there'll be millions of dollars bet on the coin toss this week. So it is more significant than it is at any other time. All right, now I'm going to ask you for a score, Farzi, because as John said, you got 92 shows to do between now and the Super mm. Bowl. What's the key aspect of the game? Is there one thing that when the game is over and done with and we're either celebrating a win or breaking down a loss, what is going to be the key aspect of the outcome of the game? Let's take away the general thing. Let's just throw, ball up the general things like turnovers and just throw that out the window for a second because we all know that matters. I think that if you're saying like, If the Eagles do this, they're going to win the game. If this defensive line plays as well as as they have played all season long, the Eagles win this game, and the Eagles win it comfortably. 
if the defensive line struggles to get home and struggle to force mistakes, not just by Patrick Mahomes, but force turnovers uh, when it comes to fumbles, interceptions, whatever, uh, bad throws, whatever they might be. If this defensive line eats, this team wins comfortably. Now, right, no, wait, I think, hold on. I got to I gotta get but, you to define here. Eats okay. is sacks. Eats is sacks, pressures, pressures. Eats is hits. How do we define it? Because Johnny and I – uh, diverge in the woods on this one. He gives more pressure for pressures than I do. I say eats is the quarterback is on the ground with the ball still in his hand. Yeah. Uh, yes, that will happen in this game. It's not going to happen to the tune of like a nine sack game against Carson Wentz or anything like that, but they are going to keep him under pressure. Patrick Mahomes, if he is not comfortable throughout this game, if he has to continuously rely on underarm throws, sidearm throws, no look throws, spin moves, the Eagles are going to win this game. That, to me, will be eating when you're facing a quarterback yeah, like that. That sounds like pressure to me. Move them off a- the spot. <laughs> Speed them up. That's yeah. what it's Speed, about. Oh, Speed you up know the Patrick clock. Mahomes is going to make sidearm throws and underarm oh, throws. Yeah. It, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen successfully for the make team. Make him throw before he that. wants to. Make him uncomfortable. Here, That's what here's what I'll give you. Here's what I'll give you. Eagles win this game. I don't think it's a comfortable game throughout. But I think the Eagles win this game. I think the Eagles cover the one and a half. But if I'm saying they win it, they're going to win by you know more than you know two points. Uh, but yeah, I think the Eagles win this game, and I think we'll be partying on Broad Street together. I'm going to go way out on a limb and say Patrick Mahomes does not complete a pass on any play he's sacked in this game. That's why sacks are important. Yeah, I'm I agree with you. I'm yeah. guaranteeing a zero completion percentage. Anytime he's sacked in the game, and I'm yeah. gonna, okay. I'm gonna guarantee under nine sacks as well. Farzy, uh, <laughs> great stuff. Appreciate you hopping on board, bud. Uh, thanks much. We will talk to you plenty during the off season. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks, Good Mark. times, fellas. Thank you. See you guys, Mark, Mark Farzetta from uh, our post game show here on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. It's good to be pre game show on the Jacob Media YouTube channel on the. Fargy show. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. All right, I'm going to have at uh, Chris Sims when we come back because he has annoyed <laughs> me. He has annoyed me again, no end. And I want to make a specific comparison, which I think Chris Sims and any of the other Jalen Hurts questioners, some of them are actually haters, but there's a bunch out there that I won't go that far, that hard on, but they're questioning and they're not giving him his props. Um, that that I need to make a comparison and ask a question of those who are questioning Jalen Hurts. I'll give that to you when we come back. Johnny Mac, Jordan Mac here on Birch 365. with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps.
Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Jody Mac with Johnny Mac here on Birds 365. Uh, coming up in ooh, less than 20 minutes from now, we're going to get Hunter Brody up from uh, the best damn, uh, the best uh, show ever uh, to give us some eagle insights for the big game against the Chiefs. All right, two things before we get Hunter up here. Number one, uh, for one of our, our guys here uh, on the stream, uh, the real zeal, who uh, always brings up the fact that I annoyed him when I pointed out the fact that the last game, and this is a question I was going to ask Farzee, we ran out of time. So I'll ask you instead, John, the last game, the Eagles actually played into the fourth quarter was the last game of the regular season against the giants, which is now a month ago, by the way, by the time the Super Bowl rolls around, it will be an entire month since the Eagles were in a game where they actually had to play with something at stake in the fourth quarter. Now, the real seal doesn't like me noting that the Giants did score with 
a minute and 38 to go, and they did have an onside kick that they could have recovered. They didn't. Reed Blankenship made the play, and the game was over and done with at that point. But onside kicks every once in a while take wacky bounces. And, oh, by the way, the Giants had driven it down and scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You could say that the Eagles were on cruise control, whatever, but the Giants did make that game a game. And the Eagles haven't been in that game a game in the fourth quarter for a month. So, yeah, I have a little bit of a, a concern about that. Uh, just felt I needed to note that for the real zeal. Uh, I hope this Super Bowl doesn't come down to an onside kick either. Uh, we shall see. Uh, but let me take my shot at Chris Sims. I actually did a show with Chris Sims. He was filling in for somebody on WFAN and I was uh, hosting and uh, he seemed like a nice enough guy. I didn't get to know him. We just got thrown together for one show one day on WFAN. So I don't really know the guy well. But you talk about wanting to die on a hill. He refuses to move off this Jalen Hurts is not good enough thing. And on John Clark's podcast, he said uh, either yesterday or the day before that being the Eagles quarterback is one of the easiest jobs in the National Football League. And what he's referencing is, yes, they've got Devontae Smith and they've got A.J. Smith Brown and they've got uh, Dallas Goddard and they've got Miles Sanders uh, that if uh, you could plug anyone in there, he really did go down. Previously, the Gardner Minshew road even though it happened and Gardner went 0-2, Chris. Were you out of the country for those two weeks, Chris? Did you somehow miss that? How what you suggested was actually put into practice and blew up in your face somehow. But he's doubling down. He keeps going down this road, Johnny Mac. And here's the question I have for Chris Sims. I'll ask it of you and you can attempt to answer it. I don't think there is an answer, but I'd love to see Chris Sims' answer. Last year's two Super Bowl participants, the losing team, unfortunately for them, was the Cincinnati Bengals, correct? Uh, yeah. They've got maybe the most talented triumvirate of wide receivers in the National Football League. Would you put... Very good group. It's Chase very good and group. Boyd and T. Higgins. If you're talking about a group of three, oh, is yeah. there a team better in the National the Football League? No, right. Is there a team in the National Football League that's got three better wide receivers than Cincinnati's? Um, who's the third receiver in Miami? I, I can't even think of it. But they'd be in the conversation. I'd have to think about it. But they that, that's the team I would immediately go to. Best triumvirate, right? Yeah. And, oh, by the way, last year, Joe Mixon rushed for 1,200 yards and scored 13 touchdowns. So it isn't like they didn't have a running game to balance things. They had one of the best running backs in the National Football League last year. Man, all those people saying last year, being the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals has got to be one of the easiest jobs in the National <laughs> Football League because they have these three talented wide receivers and this Pro Bowl-level running back. Anybody could uh, quarterback the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, nobody said that last year. None. Zero. No one said, well, Joe Burrow is just riding the wave of the Cincinnati Bengals, plug and play any quarterback in there. He had just as much talent around him as Jalen Hurts does this year. Why is it Jalen Hurts is being questioned for this? Well, two things. I would say he he doesn't have nearly the offensive line, Joe Burrow. Not even close. Not even, not even in the ballpark 
not even in the same atmosphere. Um, but I talk about it all the time, pedigree. Pedigree matters exactly in the NFL. Right. That's the number one overall pick. And by the way, Joe Burrow's tremendous. Uh, uh, you know, he deserved to be the number one pick. He's proven uh, he's a superstar quarterback already in a very young career. And one of the reasons Joe Banner says, hey, get it done quick with Jalen Hurts is because Joe Burrow's coming down the pike and it's going to go above $47 million. Um, So I have no issues with people liking Joe Burrow. But for, for the people that don't like Look, where's Chris Sims in his career? I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this. Where's Chris Sims? He's doing pretty well, right? The stuff works. If you don't if you don't like his opinion, don't share his opinion. Don't show it. Don't get upset about it. Everybody's got opinions. Turn to the next guy that tells you what you want to hear. Um, there's hot no, take. Sorry, artists. John. I I refuse to accept that. When someone is as blatantly off base. As his comments have been, I'm sorry, I'm going to comment on him. And no, if well, that's me giving him what he wants, I don't care. If it's, oh, he's getting pub, he's getting pub because Jody Mack is calling him an idiot. Well, no, that's exactly I'm not, what I'm calling him an idiot. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about you individually. I'm talking about he's decided to go down a route in his career that a lot of people have decided to go down. And he's not going to admit he's wrong and he's going to double down. So if you do get upset about it, and I'm talking mainly the Eagles fans here, acknowledge it. I mean, there are local people that do the same thing, and people ask me questions, and I say, well, I mean, what do you want from me? I, you know, Everybody's allowed to have their opinion. Um, there are certain things that you say that are, you know, if you're going down that route, that come across as ludicrous, and that's one of them with Chris Sims. I mean, the guy's going to be – if he's not second in the MVP voting, third in the MVP voting, um, he's had a heck of a career, a heck of a year. Um, he's sixteen and one as a starting quarterback on the on the team. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. He's got a heck of a supporting cast, and he's a heck of a player himself. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. So when you bring in other quarterbacks, you know. Would you rather have Joe Burrow? Would you rather have Jalen Hurts? I, I, I mean, that's a legitimate argument. That's right, a legitimate so, argument. I would lean towards Burrow. I got to be honest. Okay. I would lean towards and, Burrow. And that, that, that's fine. And you know the reason why I brought Burrow up, because I think he's got a tremendous surrounding cast. And nary word one about, uh, well, he's riding the coattails of his teammates, which at least one idiotic football player, uh, prognosticator has continued to harp on but i i do agree with you uh you answered my question why and you said pedigree and i think you're right so here would be my follow-up question to you tom brady was a sixth round draft pick at some point tom brady was able to overcome his pedigree and or we as a football uh public decided, all right, we need to let pedigree go. We need to just evaluate what this player has accomplished on his own and forget that he was a sixth-round draft pick. When does that kick in for Jalen Hurts? When do we no longer say, well, yeah, he's judged to a certain light because he was a bottom third of the second-round pick, not the first overall pick like Joe Burrow was. When do you outgrow your pedigree? 
maybe the third ring. <laughs> maybe the third ring will get him there. I'd suggest um, we had done it prior to that with uh, Brady, but that's just me. And by the way, Tom had a bigger hill to climb because Tom was, as you mentioned, six-round pick, 199 overall. Jalen was the 53rd pick in the draft. So Tom Brady had a far bigger uh, hurdle. But I remember the first Super Bowl. Maybe I'm exaggerating. The first Super Bowl, <clears throat> oh, there were a lot of questions about Tom Brady. A lot of people not believing when they beat the Rams. And, you know, that was the Mike March Rams. And still, you know, the greatest show on turf Rams. And he didn't play that well, as I recall, in the game. Um, got Kurt ba- Warner. Bailed out by his kicker. Yeah. Kurt Warner threw for like, 350 in that game I, I, I don't know they were the far more explosive explosive team but they turned it over uh, a couple times if Tom threw for 150 maybe you know he was not he was not great in that so I know it wasn't the first Super Bowl um, it might have been before the third but my point is it takes a while Jody it takes a while and you know, to a lesser degree because it's a lesser position and it's not nearly as important and people don't pay nearly as much attention to it. Nobody believes in T... No, I shouldn't say nobody. I, I get in trouble. There are a lot of people who don't believe in TJ Edwards. I don't know what they're watching. They're not watching. No. They're saying, oh, he wasn't drafted. He ran a four eight seven. He can't be this. He can't be that. Watch the games and see what he is. Yeah, I the fact that moving off one's pedigree is as slow motion as it is annoys me as much as anything about the game of football as as anything else. That uh, at you you have to be able to stay open minded in evaluating a player. And look at what he's done. It's the way I evaluate just all of sports in general. There's today. And then you evaluate yesterday. And you put more of an emphasis on that than you do the day before that. And the day before that. And the day before. And the further you go back, the less emphasis you put on it. It's what's happened most recently. And most recently is TJ Edwards has killed it all year as an Eagle linebacker. Why are we going back to three years ago and the fact that he ran slow at the combine? What the fuck does that have to do with anything? I don't know, but it's real, and it's been real, and it's not changing. One of my biggest problems with the draft, and you know I say this all the time, is people, too many people think you draft a good player or a bad player, and it stops that night. The Eagles drafted a bad player with Jalen Rager. Bad player. There's no room for improvement. There's no room for this. There's no room for player development. You got a good player or a bad player. When Howie Roseman makes a bad pick, uh, he took a bad pick. It has nothing to do with player development. Jalen Hurts has developed. Would he have done the same thing in another situation? Maybe, maybe not. He's got, he deserves a lot of credit. Um, And I use Andy Reid as the better example uh, with Donovan McNabb in 1999 because there were so many high-level quarterbacks in that draft. And I think if any of them, got with Andy Reid instead of a Donovan McNabb, it might have turned on its face. Now, Jalen, because of his own work ethic, probably would have developed. But as well as he's developed here, I can't say that. You know, player development is real. And, and, and when it comes to the draft, too many 
too many people who should know better think it stops on that day. Oh, you got a good player, you got a bad player. Doesn't work like that. You're right. Player development, coaching guys up, fits in systems. There's a whole bunch of things that go into what a player becomes over a period of time. Not just number one, top ten, first round, third round, undrafted. You are so defined by where you are taken in the draft. And it 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 has a carryover effect that just doesn't make any sense to me. But that's that's me. And I think the fact that Jalen Hurts is in in your eyes and mine. We're both acknowledging this, even though neither one of us likes it. It's just, it's something as a community that I think football overall has to improve in that, and it's more media and fans than it is actual football teams, I believe. But uh, I think football teams also put a little uh, emphasis on it as well. Jody, I got to cover one of the greatest undrafted free agents in the history of football is in the hall of fame. Now, John Randall and, you know, but the, another part of it, because I could talk to this about TJ as well. Sometimes with the, the chip on the shoulder helps. I mean, TJ's got a chip on his shoulder because TJ was second in the, in the Butkus award voting. TJ was a hell of a college player, a hell of a college player. And uh, look at the film and say, he's a great player. He's second to, to Roquan Smith. No, no, no. He can't run. We're not going to draft him. He's got a he's got a chip on his shoulder. John Randall had a massive chip on his shoulder. Now, I'm not saying everybody turns into a, a, a Pro Bowl level player or you know, very few turn into Hall of Fame players, but it can work both ways. Tom Brady certainly had a chip on his shoulder uh from where he was drafted. So sometimes it helps those guys. And if that's working for Jalen Hurts right now, which we were talking about him earlier on how zero pulse and flat line that he is and focused and doesn't get emotional and handles his business as well as he did. He had that little blip last week where he talked about, and some people didn't necessarily want me here in Philadelphia, which just, you could knock me over with a feather because it was Jalen Hurts actually saying something that he was opening, pulling back the curtain a little bit and showing you something, something about himself. I couldn't believe that he did it. So he does actually, uh, he's got a memory too. And he does remember that. uh, I think, I think that was Carson Wentz, but it might've been Hunter Brody. Who knows? We're going to have You think it was Hunter? That's who he was referencing? (laughs) That's who Jalen Hurts was referencing. I saw Hunter pop up in the green room. I wanted to get a quick smile from him. There, you there go. he is. All right. We get a big smile out of him next. Hunter Brody from the best show ever is going to jump aboard, give us his Chiefs Eagles insight before the big game this Sunday here on Birds 365. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene. 
Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, owner appreciation event. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. got the Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here with you on Birds 365. And we are joined by Hunter Brody from the best show ever on 97.5, The Fanatic. Uh, Hunter, we've been doing these shows leading up to Super. Now we got seven or eight of them under our belt. Uh, if you're not working on the weekends, which I am. Um, so you've gotten the pulse of Eagle fans. Confidence meter. If it's 100%, every call you take guaranteed to win by three touchdowns as to, oh, shoot, we're screwed. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is too good. That would be a zero. Zero to 100. What would you say what you've been able to take from those you're having interaction with on your phones, on your shows, on your social media? What would you say the Eagle fan confidence level is coming into this game? I'd say like 95% they feel they're going to win, which is crazy because I remember taking calls about the Giants and there was so much fear about, oh, Brian Dable, he's a great coach. And what if Saquon Barkley? And it's crazy that we're here now and and the obnoxiousness of it. We had a caller yesterday. We were doing the math. 3923. And we're like, hold on a second. We got to play this one out. Everyone's calling saying high 30s. And I'm like, look, I'm confident. I like this Eagles team. But how do we go from losing to the Giants to 39 to 23? Um, it's just, it's crazy. But I, there's, I think it's right to feel confident 
but you know, are, are we over over? I'm I'm I got to be honest. I'm a little surprised, Hunter, because you know it's always underdog, 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 underdog. And Jody, you're not the underdog. You're supposed to win this game. You're the better team. You're the deeper team. I'm surprised people have bought into that narrative. Yeah, you go back to the Giants game. Oh, how are we going to block Dexter Lawrence? Oh. We 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 almost lost to the Giants JV in week 18. Oh, this is very, very dangerous. Boom, 38-7, 31-7. So they've gotten over the underdog mentality. It, it seems that way, but the other five percent, they look at like the uh shoe is coming. The other they, shoe is coming. They kind of look at it in, in a way that they're they're setting themselves up. For if they lose, like, hey, I was prepared for this. But they don't really want to believe it. I don't know. It's bizarre. I don't understand that mentality. I just want to say, look at the trenches. And that's where we begin. This team is dominant on both sides of the trenches. And, you know, that's what it's going to come down to, in my opinion. I just went off on uh, that dopey Chris Sims for his continued (laughs) hatred of Jalen Hurts just doesn't add up to me. And now it's going to sound like I'm attacking Jalen Hurts. If I got reservation about the Eagles coming into this game, it's one thing and one thing only. It's Patrick Mahomes. As much as I love Jalen Hurts, as much as I defend Jalen Hurts, he's the second best quarterback on the field on Sunday. Mahomes is the best quarterback on the field. And that's where if you're an Eagle fan and you're not 100% over the moon, why are they playing this game? Just give us a damn trophy. We're better than that. Mahomes is a bit of a magician. I think the Eagles should have at least Eagle fans, and I know the Eagles players do, at least respect for what uh, Mahomes has done so yeah. far in his career. Are you getting any of that from your Eagle fans that you're talking to? Yeah, absolutely. But I think this is where the confidence level comes in. If you think of the the security blanket for both teams, which is the offensive line, there's a hole on the right side of Patrick Mahomes, and there's no hole for Jalen Hurts. So I think where the confidence level is, is Hassan Reddick and maybe what's going to happen with Wiley and does Andy Reid need to do something on that side to help out and will that then take away from something else in their offensive game? Now, look, Andy Reid's phenomenal. Pat Mahomes is phenomenal. I'm sure they're going to come up with something, but I think that's why the fans feel good is – if, if we think about holes, there's an opportunity to maybe get to Mahomes, make him uncomfortable. He's on the high ankle sprain. There's a hole on that right side. And I don't know if there's a hole on this offensive line for the birds. Yeah, it's a, you know, I think there's a big difference between what Jody just said, acknowledging that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world and Jalen Hurts isn't as good as Patrick Mahomes and Hunter Brody and Jody McDonald can quarterback the Eagles and they'd be at the Super Bowl. I think there's a big sort of uh, chasm in between where you can go back to common sense. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in this game. Patrick Mahomes, I call him the Steph Curry of the NFL because he's so unique. Um, He does things you're not supposed to do, but he does them successfully. So to go down that Steph Curry route, if he scores 50, you're in trouble. So if Patrick Mahomes is unconscious, you're in trouble. So there is a path for the Eagles to lose this game because of that quarterback. I don't disagree with that at all, no doubt. It's funny because throughout the week, we're kind of looking at 
different phases of each team. And we started with who has the coaching advantage, right? And, you know, Andy Reid is one of the best coaches we might ever see in this sport. And his offensive game plan, it's so creative. You see things that a lot of teams won't do. So, you know, I said coaching advantage, Chiefs. Now, maybe Nick Sirianni can coach a damn good football game. But if Andy Reid's at his best and Nick Sirianni is at his best, I like Andy Reid in that matchup. Then we went to quarterbacks. Pat Mahomes. And then Jalen Hurts. Well, I went to Pat Mahomes. Now, the injury, uh, Pat Mahomes, like in, in regards to the the resume and what he can be if he's at his best and Hurts is at his best. The thing is, is Mahomes going to be hobbled? Is there going to be a hit where, you know, you can see him kind of doing the limp as he gets back to the huddle? So there is an opportunity for Hurts because of the current status of Pat Mahomes to possibly win that matchup just because maybe he's not fully healthy. But the rest of the way, except for tight end, I like the Eagles. So the most two important positions, head coach and quarterback, I do push it towards the Chiefs to a degree as long as Pat Mahomes is healthy. And then the rest of the crew besides tight end, I like the Eagles. So that's where I'm saying there is a chance. Obviously, the two most important positions, I can totally see someone leaning towards the Chiefs, which is important in this matchup. That's why it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out because the overall team, it seems like with the Eagles, it's the full squad. It's every man on the roster. Yeah. For the Chiefs, yeah. it's Pat Mahomes has to have the good day. Pat Mahomes has to do it. I think there's a way the defense for the Eagles can do something, create a spark. I don't see the Chiefs doing that. I can't see the Chiefs relying on the defense, relying on other pieces. It's Pat Mahomes or nothing, which he can do it. We've seen it happen. With the Eagles, there's so many variables to how they succeed. How will it happen? They do it in a different way each week. It's going to be fascinating. All right, let it be well on the record that I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm not saying I believe this. I'm not saying that this is the way I see it. I'm playing devil's advocate. The last two games, Jalen Hurts has thrown for less than 200 yards. Shoot, he hasn't thrown for 155. It was 154 and 121. Now, I get it. He didn't need to throw for 200 yards because the Eagles were well ahead in both of those games. But we haven't seen him have a 300-yard game since he went down against the Bears way back in December. Any reservation that if Mahomes comes out and is Mahomes and is magic and is throwing it all over the lot and we're 21-21 we're at half, that they've already scored 42 points by the time they get to the half. I'd face to go 84 for the game and just you I hope you had the over on this one, folks. If it's that type of a game, can we bank on Hurts being able to throw for 350 if he needs to to go mano a mano with Mahomes? Do you have faith or do you think there's still a shoulder issue? I guess my question is long and roundabout way. I apologize. <laughs> do you think the reason he hasn't thrown for 150 yards is more Hurts' shoulder or the Eagles play calling? Yeah, I don't think it's – I'm I'm comfortable with where the shoulder's at – I know it's easy to draw the correlation. He's not 100%. We know that. But there's also times where guys just miss players. And I think when we look back at missing A.J. Brown deep or some of those deep throws that, you know, weren't on target, I chalk it up to more of it's just one of those days where he wasn't connecting with them. I wouldn't be surprised if he's throwing darts in this game against the Chiefs. And I think that there's maybe an easier matchup when you look at the Chiefs' defense to do that. Maybe there was a correlation with, how strong the 49ers are and, you know, some of their players that were making him feel rushed or knew he needed to do something, the linebacker play, this and that, where I don't know if you necessarily have that same mental approach to the Chiefs defense. 
the way that it was the 49ers defense. Uh, I feel comfortable with Jalen Hurts. I, I just I know this. No matter how it looks, no matter what style it is, no matter where the throws are, this and that along the field, A.J. Brown, Quez Watkins, Dallas Goddard, it doesn't matter who the throws to, he finds ways. Uh, I, I, it's just one of those guys. I, he's someone where the box where <laughs> Can he throw for 350? Can he do this for 320? I, I, he's not a box score quarterback. So whatever is needed yeah. on that day, wherever his shoulder is, I think he's going to you know, put this team in the position because his resume screams that. Um, but I, I feel comfortable with where he's in, where he's at in terms of the physical side of it. And yeah, I think he can hold his own if it needed to be a shootout, which it might, it might. Yeah, I'd like that description, Hunter. He's not a box score quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he really he, isn't. He, he's 16. This team is 16 and one when he's on the field. That's and a good box the, score. The, the lone yeah, loss, yeah, yeah. the lone loss is. But the numbers aren't always there, Jody, as you mentioned, you know, whether it's 140 yards passing one week, um, maybe he doesn't run for it, maybe he throws for 350 one week. Um, you got to look at the context of each game. San Francisco, before they got frustrated, <clears throat> they were doing a really good job defensively. They were doing a really good job defensively, and that's the number one defense in the NFL. Um, Kansas City doesn't have that kind of talent. Um, so that factors into it as well. Now, I have my riser theory, Hunter. And my riser theory was about Super Bowl opening night, the, the dog and pony show that that is, where, and you kind of alluded to it. Um, they put 12 people on podiums, everybody else scrummages around the footprint center. The list, it, it's the coaches and 11 players. The list of the Eagles' 11 players, all pro, pro bowler, pro bowl alternate, all the way down to Miles Sanders. The Chiefs, it was Pat Mahomes, obviously. It was Travis Kelsey. It was Chris Jones. And then Jody likes Frank Clark a heck of a lot more than I do. It's off a cliff to Frank Clark. The difference between the depth and talents of, of the Eagles to the Kansas City Chiefs is pretty significant. So from that standpoint, I want to ask you an identity question. Everybody talks about identity in football. You got to have an identity. The Eagles don't have an identity. Isn't that a good thing? Because they can beat you 17 different ways. Kansas City's got to go out there and score points with Patrick Mahomes. We know their identity. The Eagles can beat the Chiefs a half a dozen different ways. How big of an advantage of that is that? It's it's huge. It's huge. And I think we're going to factor that into the end result. When we're talking about it on Monday and we're breaking this puppy down, I think that's absolutely something we're going to talk about. And uh, it all starts in the trenches. I know that's it, – it, it's kind Not of, I sexy. guess – Yeah, yeah it, you're right. But maybe this is a crazy statement. All right, I'm only 27 years old. I don't know if we're going to see an offensive line this dominant again. I, I don't even know if we're, if we're ever, I don't even know if we recognize how I always say this we're spoiled here in Philly. You look at all the left tackles and all the Hall of Famers and all that. This isn't normal. All right. I mean, you slot in Landon Dickerson, oh. he gets to play in between Maialata and Jason Kelsey. And look, he played at Alabama. He knew he was going to be good. The injuries was probably more of the, the, the issue with the knee injuries all over the place. But this dude is unreal. I, I no one can stop this. When was the last time? 
you heard about a defensive lineman on the other team taking over the game. When was the last time you saw someone do something like Hassan Reddick does to other team other teams? It it doesn't happen, and I think it starts there. And then from from that, get the run game going, get the pass game going, like you alluded to. You can kill the team in so many different ways, and that's why it's awesome. Their identity is whatever you need us to do that night, whatever you need us to do on that given day, but it all starts because of those five guys up front, and it's truly amazing. Quickie quiz for you, Hunter. Uh, this is the third Super Bowl for the Bucs in the last four years, right? Uh, for the Chiefs, right? Um, they got beat by the Bucs a couple of years ago. Their offensive line came apart the seams. Uh, Mahomes was dodging and weaving and bobbing for his life because the offensive line had just come apart. Uh, who is the only Kansas City Chief to get a sack in that Super Bowl? Huh. That would be Frank Clark. The year before, when they had won the Super Bowl <laughs> against the San Francisco 49ers, come from behind. Good job. Yeah, you can point to Shanahan not being able to protect the lead, but certainly the defense had something to do with it. They had one sack in the Super Bowl. Would you like to guess who had it? Fra Frank Clark. Frank Clark. That would be correct. So he comes up big in big situations. So I'm just saying ahead of time, don't write off Frank Clark in the Super Bowl. Just uh, – I'm a bigger Frank Clark fan than my partner. Yeah, but this offensive line's a different beast. It, yeah. It's a different beast every time. They're stopping Nick. You don't think, you don't think Chris Jones is going to get either. You read my mind. You read my mind, John. It's like all these individual talents. Micah Parsons, how are they going to stop him? Well, they're going to read and react and attack him. Bosa. Bosa did nothing. And, and then you look at the other side. It's like people aren't even talking about that. You want to talk about interior linemen? Hargrave's got 11 sacks. When was the last time you heard someone even bring up Hargrave's name? They have so many people doing it that he's the he's the outlier that just gets lost in the sauce. I'm telling you, this is the trenches, yeah. the trenches. I he, mean, even I, you know, I should learn, Hunter, and I'm 127, not 27, but I'm, I'm with <laughs> you. This is the best offensive line I've told Jody I've seen since the 90s Cowboys. That's how good they are. It was Dexter Lawrence against the Giants. He just came off. He he wrecked the game against Minnesota. I didn't know he was on the field against the Eagles. Uh, Nick Bosa made one play, uh, and that's going to be the defensive player of the year. With all due respect to Frank Clark, and Jody's right, he he was a, a better pass rusher. He's aging in his career. He's not the player he once was. He was a pretty good pass rusher. But if I'm worried about somebody on Kansas City, it's Chris Jones. I, I haven't looked at this all week because Jody and I have been going back about Frank Clark. Chris Jones won – if you go pro football focus, one of 127. He is the best defensive lineman in the NFL, according to pro football focus. Frank Clark, by the way, edge defenders, 57 of 120. If Nick Bosa can't, can't deal with the Eagles, if Dexter Lawrence, if Chris Jones, I can't worry about Frank Clark. I'm a little bit worried about Chris Jones. I admit that. Even though the Eagles have proven to me they can deal with the best defensive linemen, and, and I go back to Jeffrey Simmons in the regular season. He's a phenomenal player. They completely shut him down. Chris Jones, though, oof, he's having yeah. a year. I know. That's why I brought up the, you know, the Hargrave thing. It's like we keep talking about Jones, 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 and I'm going, look across the way. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But he kind of gets lost in the sauce a little bit because of what BG's doing and Reddick's doing and all. But, yeah, I mean, he's no joke. But is he enough to wreck the game? 
I mean, I mean individual statistics. I'm saying, yeah, but you said the same thing about Bosa. Yeah. We said the same yeah. thing about Parsons. Yeah. And we said the same thing about everybody else. Yeah. I, I can't see it happening. Making oh, yeah. a play is different. Wrecking the entire game. I don't know. I don't think anyone can. No, I don't think it's happening against that Eagle offensive line. All right, Hunter, need a prediction from you. Who's going to be the key Eagle running back in this game? Hmm. The You want me to go Gainwell. But I'm I want go, you to go wherever you think it's going to happen. I'm going to see Sanders is going to be the the primary, but we'll remember Gainwell because he's going to do something where he has the 17 yard run and it'll be cute because it's like three or four touches that we love. But uh, it'll be Sanders. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know what to think of Kenny Gainwell because it, it has been 38-7. It has been 31-7. So when the Eagles get to the second half of these games, they're like, all right, let's get Miles out of there. Let's get Kenny. And he's shown some juice. I mean, he's played well, but I don't know how meaningful it is. Uh, do you get that? I don't know how meaningful the second half of either of those games were in the playoffs. Uh, I didn't learn that much about the Eagles. I've said it pretty much since the beginning of the playoffs, other than what I already knew. They're pretty damn good. But when you look at these particular individual games, the second halves, I'm like, well, it, it didn't it didn't really matter. It was extended extended garbage time, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that's fair. I just I feel Nick Sirianni's one of those coaches that if someone has the hot hand or something, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but in the beginning of the year, what was the talk about Sanders? No touchdowns last year, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then I think he made it early and known early that we're going to get you in the end zone, things like that. I feel like he's type, he's that type of coach that wants to send that message. So knowing Gainwell has had some pop, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts that in the plan to continue what Gainwell was doing, no matter what time of the game it is. All right, this is kind of like a combo question with the Jalen Hurts question I had before. They didn't need to do it. Was it that they didn't need to do it, or was it injury-related? I think it certainly falls more so on A.J. Brown, that they didn't need to do it, but he hasn't had a bust-out game in a while either. Neither of the two playoff games did he even get 30 yards. Uh, Is he, like, ready to break out? Do you think he's itching to be the guy? Because this is one of the reasons why I think A.J. Brown is great. He has such desire to be the man. We had that issue a couple of weeks ago where they saw him pouting a little bit on the bench that he looked like he was perturbed because he wasn't getting as many uh, targets as maybe he wanted to. Do you think A.J. Brown has a chance to have a mega day on Sunday against his Chiefs? Very young secondary. I think so. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean... Let's be honest. How many games in a row is A.J. Brown going to have less than 30 yards? I'm just playing the numbers game. You think he's due for a big one. And you're right. They are young back there. And maybe Spags. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Spags guy in the world. I think he's a yeah, I know he's got the resume. I know a lot of these guys have the resume. It's been a big topic and the big talking point. But um, yeah, I think A.J. Brown's due for one. It comes back to what does the game dictate? If they need him to be the guy in this game, I think he's going to be the guy. If the game dictates dictates something else and they end up, you know, running the ball more and seven-minute drives, even though I know there's a stat out there, you, you got to score over 28 points because if you don't, they're like 50 and three or something ridiculous like that. Um, I think it's in there, though. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. If you need him on that given day, and I know he's hungry for it, he'll let you know uh, he's definitely capable of doing it. it just It's all about – that's the beauty of this team, and it, it seems repetitive, but it, it's – what are you going to give us and we're going to expose that? Or, or what can we do here 
what do we see? And we're going to attack it. It's not, we have to get AJ Brown the ball. So if it's not there, it's not there. They work something else out. And guess what? They, they still go pop 30 points. And that's the beauty of it all. So, but yeah, he's very capable of doing it. And I could see it because you're right. They are young back there. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if they take advantage of a, of a mismatch. All right, our boy uh, JG is getting a uh, pass here, so I got to bring up the defense as a whole. Now, oh, I thought we were going G Wagon because that yeah. video brought me from like a like a five on Gannon yeah. to like an eight. Now, everybody is. Yeah, I, yeah. he, he should have learned to pander a little bit earlier, and he would have been yep. he would have been fine. But it's a hell uh, of a move by him. Yeah, tremendous move. Um, he needs a tremendous move against Travis Kelsey. We we talked about Patrick Mahomes and how. Uh, how good he is. I mean, this guy's thrown for 5,200 yards and he doesn't have a receiver that scares anybody. Uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is best receiver. Um, But Travis Kelsey, as Jody points out, is always open. How? How? Somebody explain to me how how the hell does he get his openings he does? Play after play after play. I don't understand. It's the backyard football thing, man. They have like the twin mind where they know where yeah. each other is at all yeah. times. And, you know, it's just like backyard football. Go run around and I promise I'll find you. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I honestly, that's one that I, I go. All right, JG, what do you got? What, what, how are we going to handle this thing? I don't know. That's a bad answer, but I really now, have no idea what they're going to do with Kelsey. During the playoffs, um, the Chiefs, like the Eagles, have won two games. Kelsey's averaging 10 and a half catches per game, but he's under 200 yards. So is that the way you deal with him? All right, he can catch 10 balls, but make sure it's for 80 yards and not 140. Well, knowing the philosophy of not wanting to give up big chunk plays, I'm sure if we're looking at a catch for six, six yards, five yards, whatever it is, as long as that's taken away some deep shots with Hardman out. I mean, you know, just looking at possibly what they could do to stretch the field. Knowing JG, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that they say, okay, you can have that as long as it's not for 20. You know, I mean, would you be surprised if that's if that's what his message yeah, is? That's the way I'd go about it. All right, yeah. let him catch it, but tackle him. Like, like too many NBA uh, comparisons today for me, but I'll go like, if, let the top scorers score 35, but make sure everybody else is up everybody else held down yeah well who's yeah. going to tackle him is the question because i remember watching a touchdown where uh who was it was it epps and then cj gardner johnson and then slay and and then hardgrave fell down and they were all trying to tackle mccaffrey yeah well you know <laughs> all the way back and jody can tell you this hunter to the preseason i was worried about this team tackling because Hassan Reddick's undersized. Kaiser White's undersized. Marcus Epps is, you know, undersized safety. Chauncey, he's not even a safety. They made him into a safety. You have all these players. Bradbury's not a great tackler. Slay's not a great tackler. They find a way, though. They don't yeah. have great tacklers, but they find a way. Um, it's it's been it's been it's been pretty impressive to watch. I I thought that would be an issue at some point. There's only sixty minutes of football to where it can be an issue and Andy Reid doesn't like to run the ball. So I, I can't be worried about the tackling that much. That McCaffrey play was ugly in the San Francisco yeah. game it was early, but Every once that was it. That was it. After that, yeah. they tackled prior to that. They tackled fine. After that, they tackled fine. 
and yeah. that was a really ugly. They they Every had to once burn in that. While, week one in Detroit, Davis Webb. Oh yeah, over Reed yeah. Blankenship, like he's not there. Every once in a while, it pops up, but you know, that, I that, guess that, that's the modern that would, NFL. That might have been the ugliest effort by the Eagles all year long, but it was one play in one game, and the only yeah. touchdown the San Francisco scored. So we're going to pretend that it didn't happen. I, I'm going to ask you to pretend again, Hunter, because I know you don't really believe this, but if the Eagles lose the game. If there's by some way, chance, happenstance, it comes up that they don't win the game. Which of the two coordinators is going to get more roasted mm. on Monday on the best show ever? Will it mm. be Shane Steichen for his play calling or Jonathan Gannon for his we'll keep everything in front of us and Patrick Mahomes and uh, maybe it's 15 catches by Travis Kelsey for 97 yards, but of those 15, nine of them got them first downs. Who's going to be the, the, the coordinator that is crushed on Monday on your phone lines if the Eagles lose this game? Hmm. See, the thing is, I, I think if they lose this game, it, it might be the off. Weirdly, I, this is probably going to be the unpopular way to, to probably think this one. But I think it will be maybe the offense stalling a little bit and not having that juice. But with that said, JG will get crushed because – even though you look at the points and go, well, he only allowed 21, let's say, to Pat Mahomes, the way it looks to the eye because we know where the fan base is, JG will get crushed because of – Already you guilty know, as charged. Uh, kind by of. association, the entire defense because they are with the non-blitzing defensive coordinator. It, it, might, it might be something like that, even though it'll be the yeah. offense that only scored 14 Whew. points, but we're mad at Gannon for allowing the – when it's 14-14 and the offense struggled all game, he allowed the touchdown the last drive because he played soft coverage or, or something like that. And see, if that does happen, I hope it's on the blitz, Hunter. So all these people, <laughs> it gets you know, to Yeah, there's a yeah. screen pass to Kelsey. Yeah. Or I don't know, whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you send the house. But yeah. it gets well, I, I do hope, Bert. <laughs> I'll I'll end it there with the at Pros eighty one. Follow Hunter on Twitter, the best show ever. Co-host there weekdays two to six, ninety seven five. The fanatic also simulcast on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Um, it, Arizona and Indianapolis are still open head coaching jobs. Uh, the Cardinals have pretty much said we're waiting till the Super Bowl. Typically when you wait till the Super Bowl is over, you got your eye on somebody. We don't know what Jim Irsay is going to do. He's a whack job, but um it, when you say you're going to wait till after the Super Bowl, you got your eye on somebody. Does Arizona, they're going to come out of nowhere to hire Shane Steik and Jonathan Gannon. I think people assume Eric Bieniemy, but eh, are we still in danger of losing? A coordinator. Yeah, I think Shane's going, whether it's the Colts or Arizona. But I think Shane's the one, and then Gannon's going to be bad. I know Gannon had those comments a little bit ago saying, you know, about returning or whatnot. But I think once Houston went to D'Amico Ryans, that was probably the biggest target for him was, was Houston. So I think we get another year of JG. And uh, I think Shane is going to be gone after, after this season, whether it's the Colts or Arizona. All right, Dr. Last one for me. Quiz time again. Who leads the Kansas City Chiefs in postseason sacks this year? Uh, 
Is it Frank Clark? That would be Frank Clark with two and a half more so than Chris Jones. I'm just pointing it out. That the guy's a big game player. He has been in the Super Bowl. He has been in the Kansas City Chiefs two playoff game. Just when you're watching a game on Sunday, if he happens to make a play, you're going to go, oh, freaking Jody, why do you even bring that? Why do you even go now, there? Why now you you're to- Jody's jinxing. Worry about now Chris during Jones. the whole Super Bowl, yeah. I'm going to be thinking of Jody Mack. I don't I'm know if that's about good or bad. Frank Clark. Frank Clark better be on uh, Jordan's side because he ain't getting past Lane Johnson with torn groin oh, at he all. Is. He, he is on Jordan's side. There. That's why I'm mentioning Frank Clark as often as I am. Uh, Bro's good stuff. Thanks. We always appreciate whenever you jump in. Tell the crew we said hi. Enjoy the game on Sunday, big guy. Absolutely. You too. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Hunter. Hunter, Hunter Brody. Back Boy, I, you know, I just remembered in Hunter, we were supposed to get Hunter off at 45. Oh, oh. shoot. That's right. I forgot that's about that, too. Damn. I apologize to Hunter. I apologize no. for Hunter because he's the one who told me, listen, I got to have a heart out at 45. Oh, shoot. Man, we're I just remembered play. it. I'm like, oh, I felt bad. I, I, I didn't remember bad. it until you reminded yeah. me. Hunter, our apologies. Thanks, brother. You did a great job. I right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac coming back. Oh, last chance to get a uh, point of view out of McMullen because he's out of here. He's going to Arizona tomorrow. You ready to give a score, McMullen? Because you're on record there. Uh, no, not you got, really. You got but three I'll... minutes to come up with a score no. on the Eagles versus Chiefs. Come back and see what Johnny Max got for you here on Birds 365. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth, born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Sixty-five. We thank not only Hunter Brody, but uh, Mark Farzetta, who was on with us earlier. Both of our guys uh, did a great job uh, getting us ready for the big game. All right. I will be here tomorrow to continue to get you Eagles fans ready for the big game. Johnny Mack will not. He unfortunately needs to be in transit to get out to Arizona, to be there for the game, to be part of the Jacob Media pregame co- and postgame coverage and all of that stuff. You'll see plenty of John on Sunday. That's a given. You won't see any of me on Sunday, but you'll see me here tomorrow. But because he will be in transit tomorrow, McMullen needs to go on the record because we mm. always do here on Birds 365 a couple days in advance because yeah. the games aren't played till Sunday. They did have one Saturday game this year, which made it easier for us. But uh, Johnny Mac, if you want to uh, change your opinion, anybody who wants the John McMullen opinion, I give you leeway to change between now and Sunday here on Jacob Media. But I need an opinion right here, right now. How does the Eagles and Chiefs go on Sunday? Um, I think there are going to be a lot of points scored. Um I do think the Eagles are the better team and they're going to win the game. Um, I'm, I'm thinking 31-ish to 27, somewhere in that range. Um, I think I, I think it's, you know, I think Kansas City has to win a shootout if they're going to win the game. Um, I do think they're going to keep it competitive. Um but I do think the Eagles are capable of scoring. So when we talk about it um, next week, I think, you know, there's probably going to be some people a little bit angry at Jonathan Gannon because they're going to give up some points, but Eagles are the better team. My riser theory holds. They have the better team. They have the better players. Um, They're going to find a way to win the game. Gannon is his own worst enemy. He only gave up seven points to the Giants. Yeah, well, exactly. The, and now oh, Patrick my God, Holmes. how the hell did the, yeah. they allow the Chiefs to get 21 points when they had yeah. held their two previous playoff opponents to seven? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it could come back to bite Jonathan Gannon in the butt. I'm starting to vacillate on how high-scoring a game it's going to be. I'm certainly still leaning toward the Eagles. I think they're going to win the game. If it's only a point and a half, then I'm telling you, I think they're going to cover. I'm with you. I don't know if it'll be as much as a touchdown. It's somewhere between seven and, and two. Uh, if you're looking at a point and a half, I haven't come up with the, where I think it's going to exactly land. But um, the more I, I research and the more I think about it, I think it could turn into a bit of a running game for the Eagles. And I think they may be effective on the ground, which is going to take some of the air out of the football. So I'm, I'm not sure yet. I'll give you my score tomorrow. Johnny Max going 31-27 as of now. And oh, by the way, give him every chance to change his mind between now and Sunday. On I got to do more research. 12 personnel. Don't turn it over. More Jack's toll. Less Quez Watkins. Uh, but that would lean towards your running theory. Uh, more the more 12 personnel they play 
Although the Eagles like to fool people too. That's that's the thing about what makes the Eagles so difficult, Jody. They really can. They they can do anything on a particular game day. And it might be run heavy, it might be pass heavy, might be defense, might be turning the football over. It's part of their greatness is the fact that they can do they can win games so many different ways. Different ways, exactly yeah. right. All right, Jay Mac. Safe trip out to Arizona. You'll be back here Monday from Arizona, but then uh, in transit on Tuesday, right? Next week? Uh, that is the plan. Now, uh, Monday, there might be, if the Eagles win, the post-game press conference might be doing the show, the Monday press conference, but I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll figure that out as we go. Um, but yeah, the, the celebration will be going. They're going to have the, the press conference Monday morning. I got to see when. But we'll we'll figure Monday it out. Monday morning after a six o'clock game flying cross country. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. They not have the, the, they're they not have that till the afternoon. No. Monday morning. Monday morning. Always. Every time. Yeah. It's tough. It was tough getting up after Minneapolis to go to that press conference. All right. It was but tough. they do it, but they, they will do it from uh Arizona. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. They do it from uh Phoenix Convention Center. Yeah, you got to stick around if you're the winning team. You and, can't get out of Dodge. And everybody yeah. everybody flies out the next day. Yeah. All right, Johnny Mac, uh, safe trip. Appreciate it, bud. I will talk to you sometime next week. I'm hoping on Monday we shall see. Uh, enjoy the trip out. Uh, we'll be watching you all weekend. Thanks, Jody. That's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365. I'll be back here tomorrow. Tone is going to jump into Johnny Mac's spot. we got a couple of good guests already lined up as we get you prepped for Super Bowl 57. Birds fans, be back with us tomorrow in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.